good to be back this afternoon and hope that you had a good lunch and thank you for coming back and lunchtime is or after lunch I guess is a time that kind of puts us all sleepy and all that but uh, we're going to have a, a study today of another portion of God's word we're going to talk about chosen vessels a chosen vessel now that term comes from the scripture in Acts the ninth chapter verses 10 through 15 and here we read ah, got that again see my hand of fire, sir. From Acts the ninth chapter, we're going to study the term chosen vessels. So here, in Acts the ninth chapter, it says, And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him saith the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in, and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest." to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. This is the account of Saul of Tarsus, later called Paul. And the scripture de describes him as a chosen vessel. A chosen vessel. What is a vessel? It's out here right here. I got a glass of water this evening in case I get to coughing. This is a vessel. Now, I'm from the Texas Gulf Coast, and we know what vessels are because those are generally for us, it's ships that carry petroleum products because that's what we do. We live in a petrochemical area, and we have vessels that bring crude stock to us. We refine it put it back on the vessel, send it different places, pipelines, tank trucks, all that kind of thing. I've worked in that industry just a tiny bit right at the beginning of my adult career. My dad retired from that and on and on and on. It's a big part of us. We know what vessel, when you say vessel, we know what that means. Well, a vessel is no more than something that carries something. Now, there's some water in here. And a vessel, just like the scripture says, is something that carries something. It contains something but it also transports something. And the scripture today that we just read talked about the Apostle Paul. Um, you know, a vessel is, again, a, a, something that, that carries something, but God's Word has been carried by many vessels. Throughout time, in all of the writing of the Bible, and all the scriptures that we have, we see how that the Word of God is carried. And who's it carried by? It's carried by common people. We're going to talk about Noah for a minute. And Noah was 500 years old, and Noah begat Shem, Ham, and Japheth. That's his three sons. And we know how the account of that goes on about the flood and that type of thing. But let me ask you this. He was 500 years old when he had children. That's pretty odd. 
You know, we think about Noah and we, we think about the accomplishment that he had, but he was a just man. He was an example to others. He set an example for the community that he lived in. He was the kind of guy that we would like to have, but he wasn't a military leader. He wasn't a great man. He wasn't a king, but he walked with God. And the Scripture tells, tells us that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord because he did all that God would told him to do. You know, when he was building that, that vessel to carry those people and carry those animals, that vessel carried a cargo. And he did all that God commanded him to do. God told him how long to make it, how wide to make it, how high to make it, how, how to build it, how to do it. And he did it exactly the way God said and then he carried that mission out. Now, what was the conditions here? What are the conditions that, that, Noah's, that, that Noah's operating in? Pretty rough. You know, you get to thinking about that and you think about the, the biblical description of, of what was going on with him and his life was kind of in a, in a bad place. He coexisted, Noah did, and his, and his sons and their daughters, and their wives rather, in a land that was pretty rugged. Here in the Scripture from Genesis the 6th chapter, verses 5 through 9, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. I'll stop there for just a minute. I want you, I want you to think about a, a situation where all of the people around you in, in this world, everybody across the world, the only thing that they think about is evil. Now a lot of people say, well, I'll tell you what, it's worse now than it's ever been. Do you think it's been that bad? I dare to say that you probably know a lot of righteous people, don't you? I do. I know you do. You know a lot of people that that's not their thoughts. They're not on thinking about evil all the time. They're thinking about good things. They're trying to do good things. They're trying to go to church and grow, grow uh, congregations and raise families. Verse 6 says, And it repented the Lord that He made man. He was sorry that He made man. You know, when the Lord is sorry that He makes man, that's a pretty grim situation, isn't it? It's very grim. And it repented the Lord that He made man on the earth, and it grieved Him at His heart, and the Lord said, I will destroy man of whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made him. It repented him that, he, that, that, that they had made that. That he had made that. And here it is. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man and perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. That was the difference between him and the rest of other people in the world. The rest of everybody had evil thoughts, and we see what Noah thought about. Now, he carried a precious cargo, didn't he? He carried what would start over to be the world after all the world was destroyed. He wasn't a king. He wasn't a military leader, like we said. He wasn't anybody special other than the fact that he walked with God. He was a common man. Why was he chosen? Because he did walk with God. Now, let's talk about Moses. In Exodus, the third chapter, verse 10. 
Well, you see here where Moses is being chosen as to be a vessel to carry the word. And the Lord tells Moses what he wants him to do. Now, who was Moses? Well, he was raised by Pharaoh's daughter. He fled the house of Pharaoh. Moses slays an Egyptian and flees the house of Pharaoh. But he is a chosen vessel by God. Here in Exodus 3 and verse 10 it says, Come now therefore I will send thee into Pharaoh that thou, shalt may, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel out of Egypt. God chose Moses to go into the house of Pharaoh and bring those people out. Why do you think He chose him? I don't know. Other than the fact that He saw his heart and He knew that He did God's will. He was a common guy. But He, he, he was enlisted to become very uncommon. Now, He didn't take that laying down. I'm talking about Moses. You know, Moses says in Exodus 4 and 1, he's arguing with God here. And Moses answered and said, But behold, I, they will not believe me, nor hearken to my voice, for they will say, The Lord hath not appeared unto thee. So Moses begins to have, he's got doubt. He's got doubt that he's the one. And he doubts what God wants him to do. And Moses really begins to go into this big long deal about how he's not the one. He even says in, in Exodus 4 and 10, And Moses said unto the Lord, O my Lord, I am not eloquent, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto me, unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech and of slow of tongue. Now Moses thinks he's not the man. Here God is, is speaking to him, and Moses is telling him, you know, I'm just, I'm just not the one. I, I just, I don't speak good. You know, uh, they're not going to believe me. He comes up with all these excuses about why he should not be a chosen vessel. And then God restates his power. And the Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? That's a valid question to Moses, isn't it? The Lord says, Who made your mouth? Or who made it? the dumb or deaf or the seeing or blind have not I the Lord now therefore go and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say and finally Moses realizes it's not going to be him it's not going to be his skill it's not going to be his eloquent speech it's not going to be the things that Moses can do that's going to spread the word and carry the message and lead the people it's going to be the Lord. But it's going to be by God's design. Not Moses' design. Not man's design. But by the design that God set forth. And finally He does it. You know, in today's society, Moses would have been required to have much more things if he was going to be the leader of God's people. You know, if you just take a, a, a national poll, maybe a worldwide poll, and you said, okay, we want to ask you a few questions about who ought to lead God's people. Well, you'd hear all kinds of stuff, I imagine. You'd hear, well, now he's going to have to have a Ph.D. in religion. We know that. 
and he's going to have to have this, and he's going to have to have wealth, and he's going to have to have fame, and he's going to have to be an eloquent speaker. He's going to have to be able to, to really schnoozle people, to get them to listen. You think that was a condition with Moses? No, he wasn't that. He killed a man, hit his body. Well, Moses went on to lead God's people. In hard times, in peril, he led them out of Pharaoh's bondage. He overcame his fear and his doubt and all the things that he had put in his way in order to do God's plan. In Hebrews 11, chapter verses 24 and 25, it talks about the faith of Moses here. It says, By faith Moses, when he was come to years, that means he was older, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He didn't want to be called Pharaoh's daughter anymore. He was, he was raised by her, but he didn't want to be called that. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Now I'm going to admit to you that in the world, sin has a temporary pleasure. It has a lure. It has a desire. It has a pull to people. But it's not real. Oh, it's there, but it brings destruction. So Moses, what he does, he chooses rather to suffer the affliction of the people than sin for a season, for a short period of time. That's what that means. So he goes on to lead God's people. And it's a rough way about it. And the Bible says that. And he leads them towards the promised land. Let's talk about another one. This is my favorite. Naaman. Now, if you're... And young people, you just have to stay with me on this one because you ain't going to know what I'm talking about. Um, back during the Gulf War, the United States in, uh, freed Kuwait. and The commander of the United States forces was named Norman Schwarzkopf. Right, Greg? Storming Norman. Okay? Man, America fell in love with this guy. He'd get on TV and he'd talk bold and he had a stern chin and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and we're going to take this. And he did. Great leader, military leader. When I think about Naaman, I think about Norman Schwarzkopf. Naaman. Listen to the description here. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by, the Lord, by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but he was a leper. He was a mighty man in valor. Great man, like Norman Schwarzkopf. Storm and Norman, man. He was every military man's hero. Naaman has leprosy. He don't know what to do about it. He's got a little handmaid that, that, that uh, waits on his wife. Let's read about her in verse 2. And the Syrians had gone out by companies and brought away captive out of the land of Israel a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. And she said unto her mistress, Would God my Lord were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. So she begins to tell, this little handmaid begins to tell Naaman's wife that, that there's, there's a guy that can help on this deal. So what do they do? They get pretty excited about that. I would too if I were you. Leprosy, 
Have you heard about leprosy? What it is, it eats away at the flesh. It's a horrible disease. And you know, as mighty as Naaman was, and all that he could do, he couldn't handle that. That was what was bugging him. <coughs> so they load up and they go. They're going to see this guy. So Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot and stood at the door of the house of Elijah. Oh man, can you imagine what that must have looked like when they rolled up their big entourage of chariots and military people and all, of, all about that. that. That had to be a great spectacle. <coughs> what happens? Well, Elijah stood at the door. I mean, uh, Naaman st stands at the door of Elijah. Verse 10, And Elijah sent a messenger in him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. Is that it? <laughs> Go wash in the Jordan River seven times, and my flesh is going to be clean? You send a messenger to tell me that? Verse 11 says, But Naaman was wroth, he was mad, and went away and said, Behold, I thought, he will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. See, Naaman thought it ought to go a different way. Naaman's a pretty special guy. He knows that. And he rides all the way over there to visit this prophet. And what does he do? He sends somebody out. He sends a messenger out there and says, go wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll be all right. Boy, he was mad. Excuse me. He was just a regular guy, wasn't he? That, they send a little old messenger out there? Well, you know, if you read on with that, he finally went and did that, and his skin became clean. Became just like a baby. I want to ask you a question. A couple of things. Do you think Naaman thought that that was a messenger that should have been sent? Well, no. It says it right there. He said, I thought I thought he would surely come out to me. He. Who? The prophet. But it wasn't the prophet. The words of the prophet were sent to him. The vessel that carried that word was that messenger that went out to Naaman and said, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and you'll become clean. I'll ask you a question. Oh, they, it goes on to talk about the fact that Naaman thought he should be in different rivers and all this, that, and the other. But it wasn't until he did God's plan that he was clean. Well, what's the lesson there? Well, there's, there's a bunch of lessons here. Number one is that we're not going to be clean until we do God's plan. Until we obey the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, that's what the Scripture tells us. You know, we might think it ought to be something else. We might be wroth and say, well, I thought it ought to be some other way. But the messenger to us and the message to us is that you hear, you believe, you repent, you acknowledge or confess the name of Jesus Christ, you're buried with Him in the watery grave of baptism, and you walk in newness of life. But you know, some people don't take that very well, do they? Some people say, I thought... It ought to be different. 
But you know, it wasn't until Naaman did that that his flesh become clean. I want to ask you a question. What if he had went and washed in the Jordan six times? Or what if he had went and washed in, the, in some other river seven times? Or ten times? Do you think his flesh would have been clean? No, it wouldn't have. That unlikely messenger was received with wrath right at first, but finally he did it. Finally he did it. What about other unlikely messengers? Vessels. <coughs> what about the apostles? Look at this list of guys here. Here's the apostles. Some of them were fishermen. Some of them just common people. Just regular folks. But they were chosen. These were hand-picked guys right here. To do what? To be that chosen vessel. Just like that description of Paul, these guys were hand-picked too. It was God's plan. Just normal people. Regular people. Wasn't anything really outstanding about these guys other than the fact that that's who God wanted. None of them were famous. None of them were high military leaders or kings or anything such as that. Just regular old people. Let's talk about Paul some more. That's where we started on this thing when we got that term chosen vessel. Chosen vessel, that's the term that the Scripture uses. Now let's talk about Paul again in Acts 9 chapter and Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any on his way, whether they be men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. That's what he did. <clears throat> he was zealous. He thought that's what he should do. Known as Saul of Tarsus. You know, I think he would have been a uh, very unlikely candidate to replace one of the apostles, don't you? <coughs> Do you think you would have chosen him? Do you think you would have, if, if somebody would have came to you back during those times and knowing what you know, would you have chosen him? You know, in our first reading, Ananias was told to meet with Saul. And he questioned that directive. Here's where he said, I've heard many, by many of this man, how much evil he had done to the saints, to thy saints at Jerusalem. <coughs> Can you imagine what Ananias must have thought? I mean, what he said what he thought, I guess. But before he said that, he probably thought, I cannot believe that they want me to go and get up with this guy. I've heard all kinds of stuff, what he's done. This guy right here? But he was a chosen vessel. He was an unlikely messenger, wasn't he? And look what he did. Through the hand of God and through the Holy Spirit, look what he did. He carried that word. Finally, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Again, if you didn't know much about Jesus Christ and you were living back in those times and somebody came to you and said, Hey, um, What about this Jesus guy? Would you pick him to, to be a leader? 
to be a chosen vessel to carry the word from God? Nah, I don't know. You know, it's poor man. He's born in poverty. You know, his parents are just regular people. He's not a leader. I don't think we would have talked. I don't. You know, common people would have not chosen him. He wouldn't have been on the radar. But he was. And he said, think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophecy. I have not come to destroy, but to fulfill. And that, we use that scripture this morning. And he did. He came to fulfill the law. A lot of people had a lot of trouble with that. They didn't believe that. They became angry with him over that. But many did. And he chose the apostles to help carry that word. Those chosen vessels. And you know, Jesus then taught other unlikely vessels. Those messengers were left to spread the, the word to the rest of the world. The Great Commission. Where Jesus tells these people here. He tells the apostles, He tells us even today through Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. The Great Commission. Who did He give it to? <clears throat> well, he gave it to common people. The message is good for kings and leaders and all of that, it's good for them, but the message so many times has been carried by God's people, just regular old folks. In Romans 10 and 14, Apostle Paul tells the church members there at Rome, how then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? So he asked a question there. <clears throat> how is somebody going to say that I want to follow Jesus Christ if they've not believed. And how shall they believe on Him who they have not heard? How, and that, that's, any, that's anything. You know, you think about something. How are you going to ever believe in something that you have never heard of? It's not just zapped into you. So, how then shall they call on, the, on Him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe on Him who they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, I'm fully aware, and I know you are too, that if it, if it had been God's choice, the day you were born, He could have instilled all of that knowledge in your head and you could have known it right from the beginning. If He'd have wanted to do that, that's what He would have done. Now, I think we'd all agree that He's capable of doing that. Okay? But that's not what He did. What He did is He left a plan for common people to teach other people that means right there? How shall they hear without a preacher? And you know we think about the word preacher and that is to us sometimes a, in, a, in a different context. But how are we going to hear without somebody to tell us is really the question here. How are we going to do that? So Jesus left His Word to common people. So the question today to each one of you are you a vessel? Are you a vessel? 
are you a vessel that carries the word to others? In your life, in your speech, in your lifestyle, in your conversation, that could mean lifestyle depending on how you use it. Do you walk the walk and talk the talk and sow the seeds of the kingdom? You know, in the New Testament, we see regular people preaching and teaching others the plan of God. Publicly, that was done. We have an account of that in the Scriptures where they did a lot of public teaching. Um, in Antioch, there were five you know, teachers there described in Acts 13. Also privately, men and women teaching each other. They taught publicly and from house to house. They taught people they knew. They taught people they didn't know. Great resources that we have in the church that sometimes is not identified is our women. Now, they don't take a public position in teaching, but they can teach. I want to talk about Aquila and Priscilla for just a minute. This is a husband and wife. They're here listening to this guy in the synagogue. He's an eloquent speaker, Apollos. 18 and 26, Acts 18 and 26. He began to speak boldly in the synagogue, whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took unto him, took unto them and expanded unto him the way of God more perfectly. Now I want to identify a few things here. They're listening to this guy, and, and Apollos did not know about baptism in the name of Jesus. So he's preaching along there, and he don't have it just exactly right, so what do they do? They take unto him privately. And it says they, and then it took they they took him unto them, both of them, Aquila and Priscilla. And they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. I think the scripture's pretty clear here in that private setting that that man and that woman taught Apollos more perfectly. Women teach. In the areas that God gives you the ability to teach, teach. Men, when God gives you the ability and the opportunity, teach. All of us need to teach one another. That's what this is all about. The chosen vessel is really you. The chosen vessel is me. The chosen vessel is all of us. As we go towards God's plan to carry this word one to another. And throughout the Bible we see that. We'll talk some more about the women in Titus 2, verses 3 and 4. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as become of holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Women have a place to teach. We know men do too. We have a lot of ex example in the Scripture about that. How that men teach each other, publicly and privately. Now, Throughout the Bible, we see that being taken care of. Opportunities that we have. I want to talk to you about a, a lady that we met up in um, Washington State. And I used to give this lesson some, and, and uh, I wouldn't say her name, but I'm going to say her name. Her name is Opal Chapin. Opal, Sister Opal is in her, probably in her 70s now. And she has done a great job teaching. She never takes... She never, obviously doesn't have a public position. But privately she teaches. Most recently she taught her neighbor. She convinced her neighbor to come to church. Her neighbor learned enough to where she wanted to sit down and have a study with one of the men of the church. She was baptized. 
Several months later, this woman's husband participates in the study and he's baptized. You know, Sister Opal did that right there with her next door neighbor. Was she an unlikely messenger? Yeah. If you were to ask the world today, is Sister Opal the kind of person that you think ought to be carrying the word? Yeah, you know, I don't know. You know, you get a variety of different answers. But you know what? She's doing God's will. Because she has opportunity. She had influence with her next door neighbor. She had trust with her next door neighbor. She had what she needed to equip her to carry God's word. You know, there's a dear brother that's passed on named Herschel Williams. Herschel performed our wedding and Claudia's mom and dad's wedding and a lot of weddings. He was an elder at Baytown. When I first met Claudia, I wasn't a member of the church. And people were pretty good about studying with me very gently, and I appreciated that. And then one day I went and visited Herschel, and he sat down with me. And you know what he did? He expounded unto me the Word of the Lord more perfectly. He was my chosen vessel to carry the Word to me. Shortly thereafter, I obeyed the Gospel. You see, the truth of the matter is, you are a chosen vessel because you know people that I don't know. You have influence and, and a positive influence with a lot of people that I have no idea even exist. You have opportunities that I'll never have. And you know what? I'll have opportunities that you never have. There are people that trust you. There's people that, that you can invite to church or invite to a study or invite to something that, that's connected with the church that may come that would never come if I invited them or Craig or anybody else. You've got influence. You've got influence that I'll never have. And the reason is is because we are all unlikely messengers. Remember Moses? What did he do? He was a chosen vessel. What did he do though? He argued with God. He argued with God over this very thing about should he do this? Should he lead the people? Should he carry the message? Well, the question today is, are you arguing with God? You know you have influence with somebody. Are you arguing with God? We all want to be fruitful in our service to the Lord. Not to our glory, but to the glory of God. So that we bear fruit for the Lord. In Matthew 7 and 20, Jesus says, Wherefore by their fruits ye shall know them. Fruit. Fruit is a product of something. It's a product of a tree. And by your fruits you shall be known. We all have opportunities to do that. you got a meeting going on this week. It's an excellent opportunity to take one of the flyers Go to your next door neighbor, go to a co-worker, go to a family member or whatever and say, hey, won't you come to church with us this week? You know what? They may come. You've got an opportunity to be that chosen vessel. An opportunity that no one else has. And that, again, is not to our glory. I'm going to close with Matthew 5 and 16. 
want you to think about this. This is what Jesus said. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Why do we do good works? Well, it's not to our glory. It's to the glory of God. When you invite somebody to church or you study with somebody or you call them on the phone or you visit them in the hospital or you carry a meal to them or whatever you do in service to our fellow people and spreading the Word of God, then you do it unto God. Not to, you, not to your glory, but to His. This week, you have another opportunity to do that. I would encourage you to do that. Before long, you're going to have a great opportunity. You move in that new building, there's going to be a lot of push to try to get that message out to people. I want to encourage you to be involved in that. Take your part to whatever degree you can. Use that opportunity to the glory of God. Not to your glory, but your Father which is in heaven. I want to thank you for your attention this afternoon. Church stands ready to be of service to you. Maybe you've never obeyed the gospel. We talked about the gospel plan of salvation a minute ago. The fact that we need to hear, we need to believe, we need to repent and change our life and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's what the Ethiopian eunuch did. The account of the Ethiopian eunuch in the book of Acts where Philip the Evangelist was joined with the eunuch in a deserted place. He taught him the Word of God. The eunuch said, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? What, what hinders me? What, how come, Philip, that I can't be baptized right now? Philip says, if you believe us, you may. What did he say? He said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He made that confession, that acknowledgement. Confess in this term, in this context, means that you agree. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. If you do that, and you're buried with Him in baptism. We're going to talk some more about baptism this week and, and how we can obey the Gospel. How we can obey what God says for us to do. But the baptism is a likeness of Jesus' death, His burial, and His resurrection. How we die to the old man, we're buried in the watery grave of baptism, we arise to walk in newness of life. Have you done that? If you haven't, I encourage you today. Take that step. And if you have, are you sowing the, key, the, the seeds of the kingdom? You know the parable of the sower? Love that parable. Talks about a man scattering seed. Talks about how that, that seed lands on different kinds of ground and has different kinds of production. And then it says the seed is the Word of God. Are you sowing the seeds of the kingdom? We all have that opportunity. Lessons yours. Thank you for your attention. We're going to offer a song of invitation. The church can be of assistance to you. We'd ask that you come as we stand and sing.